There was a time when things were good on Shady Side. But now, that's all gone. Oh man, I turn the around with the skeleton hand, yeah. Hello? Still alive. Who is this? It's happening again. Tonight is Sunnyvale versus Shadyside. Red versus blue. Good versus evil. We commence a case. Color Are you okay? That was 1978, 5,937 days ago. Shadyside, a history of horror has earned it the nickname Killer Capital USA. These massacres happen in Shadyside over and over. You were the only person who survived. How do we end this? You have to go back to where it all started. 1666. The devil has come to feast on our misdeeds. If they want a witch. Witches! Witches! I will curse this tomb. Forever. It's been three centuries. It stops here. It stops with us. Who the hell was that? How should I know? She was hot! The bitch seemed normal! Amazing observation. Your best chance is to run from this place. Go, go, go! In Shadyside, we're all cursed. Ah! The devil is in me. Any sense for fighting these things? Try not to die. Welcome to the suck. Come back from that mother. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. I'm Mike, and joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. How are you doing, Venom? Greetings and salutations, 90s kids. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. How you doing, Mike? Doing well. I'm uh, trying to adjust to this 8.30 start uh, for work because my, my body still has the alarm clock as if I'm starting at 6.30 in the morning. So I, mm-hmm. I end up waking up like an hour before my alarm clock. And then I kind of like sit there like, should I try to fall asleep for an hour and make myself more tired when my alarm goes off? But uh, <laughs> other my than heart that, bleeds yeah. for you. Yeah, I know. Decisions, right? <laughs> How tough it must be to wake up and walk over to the chair to start work. I guess. How dare you get two extra hours sleep from your last job, you dick. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it's funny, yeah, because then I get off work and it's like, should I, it's like I could take a nap, but at this time, if I do that, you end up sleeping all into the night. You are such a dad. <laughs> Come home yes. and take a nap. I am. I am. Because uh, until the kids go back to school in the fall, I'm pretty much home with them all day, every day. Uh, so. uh, all right. Enough about my home life. Uh, join us as always as well. It's Don and Nelly. How are you doing, Don? Hey, what's going on, guys? Yep. Uh, always fun to be here. <laughs> cool. And for this episode, we actually have a very special guest. We've conjured him from the depths of hell to join us. That's right. It's our co-host from No More Room in Hell, Derek. What's up, Derek? <laughs> One million dollars, you say? Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> what's up, Michael? I'm here to torture you some more this week. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how angry I can make you on this show, too. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, we listeners might assume that we're covering the new Purge movie because it's theatrical, and we usually cover those whenever they're there but uh we kind of had a off the air yeah no one was really interested in it i think the way we roll is like if if anyone well, of us, us considered it a horror horror movie anyway so i think that was kind of the big deciding nail on the coffin 
Yeah, and I I think just general lack of interest due to all the other ones, what what they've kind of led yeah. to. Um, and, and the kind of the, the way we kind of handle those things is if there's one of us that wants to cover it, the other two will go go do it or watch it. Yeah. But it, none of the three of us seem very interested. So why put three of us through it? You know that aren't really interested. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> ultimately, if you were interested in our thoughts on the purge, you can go ahead and send your hate mail to me. I'm the one who brought it to the table to potentially skip this because I just I famously am not a fan of that franchise at all. So, um, yeah. So if you really wanted to hear our thoughts on that movie, yeah, you can send your hate mail to Mr. Venom podcast at Gmail dot com. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually think I was on the I think it was I think we were still just the movies then when we did the fucking first purge or whatever the yeah. fuck that uh, prequel one. And that fucking thing was fucking garbage. <laughs> it was an action movie. <laughs> it, it was like a fucking episode. Of, it was like an episode of The Wire with fucking. <laughs> I go with that. <laughs> yeah, I tapped out after the second one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There is no wrong point to stop with those movies. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. So with that said, uh, we decided to uh, discuss the Netflix original uh, Fear Street Part One, 1994. Um, and this is based on the Fear Street books of the same title, at least the main title. And let's see. Yeah, it's this came out this past Friday, I, I believe. Yeah. Um, and let's see synopsis is as follows a circle of teenage friends accidentally encounter the ancient evil responsible for a series of brutal murders that have plagued their town for over 300 years welcome to shady side okay (laughs) i hate when they write the synopsis like it's a tagline yeah (laughs) this is part one of a trilogy so we'll keep that in mind um, just in case anything related comes up in the discussion. Um, and I believe, is it each uh, new part is a week apart? Is that yep. how it is? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Friday is supposed to be part two and next week is part three. That's yep. Uh, yep. OK. And I guess, you know, since we're all of varying ages here, we can when we give our general thoughts, we can say if or or if we are at all or how familiar are with the. Uh, the Fear Street books themselves. Um, so Venom, general thoughts. Uh, what did you think of Fear Street Part One? All right. Well, to answer your first question, I have zero experience with the Fear Street uh, books. Um, I, you know, if if I, I'm not even sure when they came out. I'm assuming these are '90s uh, content, maybe late '80s. But if that's the case. I definitely was not reading young adult novels in my 20s. I mean, mm-hmm. I was in my 20s and the 90s. So, yeah. Um, so I have absolutely nothing to base this on. So who knows? Maybe that means I'll like it more. Um, going into this movie, I was really excited about it. You don't really often see, or at least not as often as you do with the 80s, these kind of 90s nostalgia type movies. And as I've already said, I was not a teenager. I was already very solidly an adult by the 90s. So, you know, I was concerned about how I was going to watch this movie. And guess what? My concerns were absolutely warranted. Um, For the first 15 minutes or so of this movie, I was absolutely on board. I loved the cold open, had, you know, very similar to Scream. I'm sure a lot of people have seen, um, you know, taglines and, you know, article titles that are comparing this. Some people are saying it's It Follows Meet Scream. I can't argue with that description. It seems fairly apt considering the content, uh, the nature of the villains and everything else going on. So, you know, I'll go with that. But anyway, um, for the first, like I said, 15 minutes or so, I'm on board. I'm loving the movie. I love the mall aesthetic. That opening scene was awesome. Seeing all of the cool stores that we went to as kids in the late 80s, early 90s, Babbage's, B. Dalton's, Software, etc., uh, there, I think there was an Orange Julius in there somewhere. So uh, that that part of it, the, the aesthetic there worked really, really well. Um, they didn't force it, at, at least at no point did it feel forced down my throat, like they were slapping me in the face with a Limp Biscuit CD or anything like that. <laughs> but, man, about 15 minutes into the film, 
uh, once we get past the cold open and the opening credit sequence, we get a montage of um, our characters being introduced while they're in school. Uh, they're, they're high school students, obviously, of varying ages. And as we're walking through the hall of this montage, we're seeing different people making out, like different pairs of people making out. And every time they would show a new couple, a different 90s pop song would play. I swear to God, this montage was maybe a minute long, and it had six, at least six 90s pop songs in there. And you have to realize, guys, that nostalgia is a thing. I understand that. But but for every 10 people that likes a certain decade, there's going to be at least one that doesn't. And I'm not going to sit here and say I don't like the 90s. Not at all. The 90s were my college years. I had some great times in the 90s. But I don't look back at it the way I do the 80s or the 70s because that's when I was a kid. I think most of us are kind of like that. We look back at the decades when we were kids more fondly. Um, And yeah, man, I am just not that big a fan of 90s pop music. It just... You know, with all this, with stuff like Radiohead and Bush, uh, just these are bands and songs that I hated when they were brand new. Like literally the first time I heard them, I hated these songs. So now to hear them 20, almost 20 years later, really doesn't make me nostalgically fond for any of it. So unfortunately, the 90s aesthetic for me got a little heavy still in the first act we're still in the first act of the film and the aesthetic is already a little too much for me they're you know what i was complimenting them about in that cold open they completely did a 180 once the main part of the movie started and then it's just 90s reference 90s reference 90s reference and it just got just absurd after a while but Back to the film. The film itself is actually very watchable, very fun. I thought there were some great kills. I, I'm i an older horror fan, so I don't usually gravitate towards movies with younger casts like this. But ultimately, I still liked this cast. I thought they did a really good job um, with their performances. I thought the writers did a great job tackling kind of teenage homosexuality. I mean, you know, you think it's hard to come out as an adult. I mean, could you imagine being a high school kid, especially on the cool side of town, having to come out and, you know, say that you're actually gay? It's a a major topic that um, I'm kind of glad that they tackled here because in 94, we weren't seeing as much um, content like this. So that I I thought was really well done. I thought I I liked the dialogue, despite it all being kids. I don't remember rolling my eyes at any of the line deliveries. So that works for me. The score minus the licensed music. And I will say that it's kind of biased of me, but the fact that Iron Maiden is on this score. Okay. You kind of won me over with that. The fact that there's that the youngest kid in the movie is an Iron Maiden fan. God damn it. They got me with that because (laughs) Maiden was my favorite band all through the eighties and nineties, you know, and I'll even throw an extra special bonus in because it wasn't the song you think they would go go for. If you say Iron Maiden in a movie soundtrack. Yeah. I mean, if you say Iron Maiden, in early 90s yeah i could probably think of five songs that would be more popular to go with but they went with a deep cut off of fear of the dark in fact they went with the title track so that's pretty awesome ultimately so yeah anyway like i said and i didn't hate all the music in here even though i'm not the biggest fan of 90s pop it's you know it still sets a certain mood it sets a certain tone so i can still accept it here and there like i said it just got insufferable after a while but ultimately i did enjoy this movie i had a, i had a good time with it it's an hour and 45 minutes long but it didn't it really didn't feel it it kind of it had nice pacing you know you get some good gory stuff right in the cold open and the kills just get gorier as the movie goes along until we get to a glorious supermarket kill that I won't spoil here. We'll talk about it in the spoilers section, but it may be my kill of the year thus far. I mean, I I literally stood up and cheered out loud by myself in my living room when this kill occurred. So, yeah, pretty awesome. Uh, but, yeah, overall, I enjoyed the movie. It has its imperfections. It's not perfect by any stretch. But I think that if you were a 90s kid and this aesthetic works for you, there's no reason you shouldn't love it. I think most 90s kids are going to like it, even if the kids portrayed in the movie weren't the kind of kids you hung out with in the 90s. I still think it speaks to a lot of uh, people of that age group. And uh, overall, like I said, I had fun with it. But the 90s stuff just got a little heavy for me after a while. I'll keep it at that for now. 
Okay, um, on to Don. General thoughts on Fear Street. Okay, um, answering your question as always, um, I wasn't aware of Fear Street at all. E- even though I was probably like the target age, um, I was not. I was actually I was not really a reader at all. Um, I was much more into um, reading reference books and encyclopedias at the time. So I have. Then not to you know brag or anything, but that was really more what I what I was into, just because you know I was still into dinosaurs and stuff like that. So I was reading those kinds of books, not you know fiction stuff. So yeah, I actually didn't even know that it, Fear Street was a series until um, probably five six years ago, when some somebody mentioned it as like you know favorite throwbacks from the nineties, and somebody mentioned Fear Street, and I was like, what the hell is Fear Street? Because I didn't even know about it. I mean, I knew Goosebumps, but I never read any of them. Um, I don't know anything about Goosebumps at all. Just I know that they're a thing. But um, yeah, Fear Street, I was completely unaware of. I knew nothing about. Uh, so onto the film at hand. I absolutely loved this. Um, I had a ton of fun with it. Uh, I do agree with Venom. There are points in time where the cast is a little tough to swallow and they're kind of hard to sympathize with, especially when I found a lot of their actions kind of weirdly inappropriate for the, for the context of the situation. Like all of a sudden, you know, uh, not to, you know, get too deep into this, but the beginning of the film opens with, you know, this huge massacre and people are talking about missing school to go to a rally as if they want to be in school. Like I, I, for so, you know, to me, I found it like really weird and inappropriate to create this like odd juxtaposition with everybody. But, um, beyond that, I don't have really much to say in, um, opening for this one. Uh, the main thing I just want to say is that I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, the concept of the curse is a lot is really old school, and I love the way that it's introduced. It's juxtaposed against the modern day setup that we have in play here. A lot of great kills, some really fun stalking scenes. You know, the way that they get the mystery involved is really fun. Uh, yeah, I had a ton of fun with this one. I don't agree with Venom. I think that you could probably have shaved five minutes off of this and brought it in at 145 instead of, you know, getting to the credits at 145. But yeah, overall, I really enjoyed this. I would not at all be surprised if this is in my top five of the year. Wow. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, let's go to our guest. Derek, what did you think of Fear Street? Well, to answer your question, like, yeah, I've read a bunch of the Fair Street novels, and uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Mr. Stein himself. Uh, he's been through my life through many incarnations with Goosebumps and Fair Street. And, yeah, I love the references to the actual novels in this, because pretty much, uh, this ain't really a spoiler, but most of the novels take place in the town of Shadyside. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's a really interesting aspect how they blend this. The, the thing that shocked me the first was who directed this movie. It's the uh, Lee Janaki, uh, who directed Honeymoon. That was her first movie, and this is actually her second movie back after Honeymoon from 2014, uh, which was an interesting movie that I seen years ago. And I love the aesthetical choice. And it, yeah, the the beginning of this totally has scream vibes even with the score of the film because uh marco beltrami is actually the composer who actually composed scream and he uses a few cues from his scream score and his score for that opening which was fucking awesome i do agree about uh them force feeding the 90s music i didn't hate the songs as venom did but i was like one after another i was like okay i get it <laughs> you know but I was like, okay, they ended with Cypress Hill. At least they ended up with something funny. <laughs> you know, but whatever. But, uh, yeah, I actually like the characters in this one. I like the two main uh, brother and sister, Dina and Josh, uh, Benjamin Flores Jr. character. I like that he, they made him a computer nerd. And they also had the aspect of him, you know, like, this ain't going to be, uh, not to be 
being stereotypical, but usually when you have uh, black actors in these type of 90s aesthetic movies, they usually listen to hip-hop. They haven't listened to, like, fucking metal and shit. It's fucking nuts. You know, and I like that aspect. That they they went against stereotype, and I like that aspect of the film. So they did make some odd but brave changes to, like, certain stereotypes of characters that you would expect, you know. And I like the relationships that revolve throughout the film, especially with Josh and uh, a later character that we're introduced to. But, uh, yeah, I like that stuff, and I like the reveal of what's actually going on within the film. Because uh, it goes into some aspects of the Fear Street books that I dig, and I can't wait for part two. That's all I could say right now. I actually really fucking had a blast with this movie. Great kills. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, okay. So for me, I was one that was aware of the Fear Street books. I was aware of Goosebumps, you know, all the kind of like young adult, kid to young adult uh, material. Now, the problem is I was one of those weird kids where like I almost went straight from like cartoon watching in like the mid to late 80s straight to like rated R. I mean, not only rated R, but like PG-13 R movies. And I think part of the reason is because we um, we had cable from when I was pretty young. Like we were one of those early adopters and um, my parents got like a cable box for my room so like i was already like exploring like premium channels and like a lot of the young adult stuff from the 90s i i kind of like skipped over like the more i look back at those years so just for reference um the 90s i was age 10 to 19 so this is like even though i was born in the 80s i still kind of consider 90s where like most of my uh preferences and stuff i like developed because that's really when you're kind of making your own decisions on what you want to watch for, for to some extent, obviously I didn't have free reign at 10 to watch anything I wanted, but as opposed to being six years old in the eighties where it's, you know, it's pretty much parental supervision with most of the stuff you're doing. So yeah, I, I think the most kind of like young adult thing I was into at the time was once uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark came out on Nickelodeon on SNCC Saturday night. I, I, I remember being the right age to get into like the first couple of seasons of that, but then I started to feel like, you know, I was too old. Um, and, you know, as opposed to some of our podcasting friends who are a little bit younger that were probably into it for its entire run. I, I kind of got out of it after the first couple of seasons. Anyways, on to the movie. So, <laughs> I'm going to say I didn't dislike it, but I probably liked it a little bit less than all of you guys. But I will say the strength to me was the kills. I was not expecting the kills to be as kind of brutal as they were. Um, so that's a big plus for this movie, too. I felt like the, uh, the, the characters were in a lot more genuine danger than I expected. You know, when you hear like a of a fear street or a goosebumps property to be made into a movie right off the bat, you know, you're probably coming up with some preconceived notions in your head about, about what the material is going to consist of. And I thought it was going to be just a lot more lighthearted type of, you know, what shenanigans going on. Like there wouldn't be as much peril for the kids to be into. It'd be something, you know, more like they're solving a mystery and, you know, it's the mystery of the town ghost that, you know, whatever. The scary soldiers tell in the dark. What? So, something exactly. along those lines. Right. Where, you know, a uh, 12 year old would think it's real danger, but adults would be like, ah, OK, whatever. But surprisingly enough, you know, it there were real stakes in this. Like they there were deaths and, you know, real consequences to if they were messing up and not solving yeah. the yeah. situation. So I give it a lot of points for that because uh, as something that's being adapted from young adult tween, whatever the term you, you want to use, it's not always a guarantee you're going to kind of get that harder edge material. So I will give it that. Um, like you guys said, the songs in it themselves, I had no problem with. I did think it kind of got a little bit at certain points, especially when we were getting montages and rapid fire. Like, remember this song guys, remember this yeah. song. And and I think maybe the reason that that point is accentuated for me specifically is because before the rewatch that I did, um, 
I threw Clueless on because it was on TV. <laughs> now, Clueless, as you know, people may or not, I'm sure everyone on this show knows, but for those out there that don't know, Clueless was an actual teen movie from 95. So when you when you compare like a soundtrack and Clueless where it just feels like naturally those were the songs of the time being used, some mainstream, some lesser known, the way it kind of flows with the movie, that's a big difference to me in, you, in movies that are actually the time. We, we see it with... Um, 80s nostalgia movies too comparing those to actual movies that were in the 80s where sometimes the usage of songs and music has a more natural flow when the movies actually came out as opposed to when you're trying to like show everyone how how dedicated you are to replicating mm-hmm. i'm not going to yeah. totally say you know that that's bad but it does kind of like it kind of takes you out a little bit just to be like okay i see what you're doing here yes i recognize it but it it's like why this choice of songs at this there I think there was a certain times where it's like, are you just using this because it was a nine like it doesn't even seem like it necessarily all, fits with I, what's going on. Well, if you didn't know, Mike, they actually all came out in ninety four, those songs. That's why they chose them. Well see, I thought a couple of them were ninety five. I no. I I thought they missed on some of them. I, I actually couple, looked them up. I looked them up. <laughs> they all came out in ninety four, so I was like, Okay, at least they got well, the same year. I thought Astro Creep is '95, maybe not. I don't know. Um, and someone told me Garbage was '95, but I thought they were '94. But I don't no, know. No, I think the I think the video for um, Astro Creep was '95. That's the thing, because that wasn't yeah. the first single. It, yeah. Yeah, Astro Creep wasn't the first single. I think, but I think it exploded because it was the first hit, but it wasn't the first single. It was more yeah. human than a human the first single? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so maybe the single hit in '94, and then the album. Not I don't because right. yeah. it looks like that. But to rebut to rebut uh, Derek's point about all these songs being in '94, if this movie was made in '94, would all those same songs be in it? That's the thing. That's the point that I think Mike's trying to make, which I 100% agree with. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you're trying to recreate nostalgia, it's different than from when you're in it, when you're actually right in it, because it's not nostalgia. It's just what's going on now. So you just throw in whatever cool song, uh, you know, is playing, you know, is new and popular at the time, blah, blah, blah. Whereas this is trying to set a mood, trying to actually set a tone that we are in the 90s. And I just feel like it goes overboard a little bit at times. That's all. It, yeah. I, I, it, you know what it kind of reminded me of? It kind of reminded me of, uh, it's not really a nostalgic thing, but there was like that uh, it, MTV slasher movie, uh, Sweet 16, oh. Psycho Sweet. It I saw it, yeah. My Super yeah, Psycho. Yeah, yeah, it kind of had a blend of like those type of songs within it that kind of like you know like oh it was supposed to be this time period this song but then you're just like the thing is that they didn't spread them out because it was all like one continuous scene where it went from one song to another. It's you should spread them out a little bit more if you're gonna use fucking five songs in one scene. It's kind of I it's the, that's the problem because they didn't spread them out. They just put them all into one fucking major scene of like the school you know mm-hmm. you know it's kind of it made it a little bit more noticeable i think if they were spread out a little bit more it wouldn't be as noticeable especially in that beginning scene you know yeah oh yeah, exactly. by the way not all the songs are 90s uh I'm, I'm actually watching the movie as we record killing me softly is in the movie <laughs> which is from 1973 so, but, but is it the Fuji's version? It did, yeah, because it no, didn't it sound like the, the Fuji's one. That's I remember <laughs> thinking that like maybe I maybe there's like a album version that has like a different intro because I was like that sounds like the original, not the uh, Fuji's. It one. was the original, yeah, it uh-huh. definitely. I mean, I don't think the was the maybe they couldn't pick, maybe they couldn't get the Lauren Hill Lauren Hill wanted too much. Maybe yeah, I don't know. <laughs> They're like no one will notice except the actual '90s. <laughs> They'll be like, wait a minute. Wait a minute there. Um, yeah. Uh, what else for general thoughts? You know, I was fine with kind of how the story played out. Um, it it definitely makes sense why it had to go that way, because if you're doing a trilogy, you can't well, totally resolve everything. Well, and Well, it's actually it's actually from the books, Mike. That's why they went that way. Oh, so this specific. So this yeah. is actually a book story then. Yeah, the witches, the friars, and the goods—that's all coming to fruition. 
Okay. Because you mentioned the good character. There's a few characters named last name Good in the movie. Mm. It's all coming. It's all going to connect. We're just, which is kind of a shame because we're judging this because it's a first part of a trilogy. But you know, because I feel like once it gets going, they're going to connect more dots. Yeah. You know. I um, I felt uh, I agree. I I want was it Venom that mentioned the opening felt very scream like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, even, even like, uh, and I want to say it couldn't have been on an accident, even like kind of way the, the killer, at least initially in the opening scene, like his mannerisms and the way he, he, uh, moved, it was almost, you know, they tried to do it like after like the just normal guy under a costume style. Uh, cause you know, even at various points when he would chase after people, you know, they'd hit him with something and he would react same ways. Ghostface, like it, it was very reminiscent of that. Yep. I mean, maybe that was on purpose because Scream's a '90s franchise. I, I mean, that'd be my guess. Um, but yeah, it, it I, I did think. Um, I, I, I do wonder, like a movie like this, who exactly they feel it's marketed to? Because um, if if you're a '90s kid and you're now my age, then I guess the main reason to watch something like this is because, oh, hey, it's time stamped at the age when I was like an early teen. So I want to check out, you know, something that is going to depict that. Or is it for kind of like younger, young adult horror fans now? Or is it maybe for parents my age to watch together and, you know, with the kids? I will say my daughter seemed kind of into it. You know, my my daughter... She t- she's uh she'll be ten in January. She she tends to be one of the stubborn types that like if you try to get her to watch something, she doesn't want to. But if you just put it on the TV and she's in the living room, I'll look over at her every once in a while and she's pretty much watching it the whole time. So she seemed pretty into it, and I, I you know I think movies with younger characters interest her a lot. So she seemed to dig it for what it was. So I mean. I'm going to say it's it's a hit with the people it needs to be. And that's mm-hmm. probably the most important part. Um, but yeah, like I said, I didn't dislike it, didn't love it, but I think it did enough for me that I'm very interested to see where they go next with mm-hmm. part two and very more of the story. <laughs> very, very interesting. Yes, very interesting. Yes, yes. <laughs> fucking Michael. You have to always be difficult and be the interesting one. Yep. That's yeah. right. I'm peculiar. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, like uh, the way I think it's gonna, well, it's interesting the aspect where it is a '90s aesthetic, and I, I kind of like how it's the atmosphere of some of the scenes, especially the nighttime scenes in the woods and shit. Uh-huh. And then you know, are we getting into spoilers now? I like that there's more than one killer in this movie. It's fucking <laughs> awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, I'd say that's your spoiler warning, folks. We're going to go ahead and jump into our spoiler-filled conversation. I don't think it's that much of a uh, spoiler that there's multiple killers. I mean, I haven't watched the trailer. I don't know if you guys actually... No, they only but... show the Skull trailer. Oh, they just show the, the well, guy from well, that year. I, gotcha. To be fair, I, I did watch like the trailer where it's a bun- like the whole trilogy trailer. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Over... I, I think me and Mike are actually closer to the way we think about this than maybe we let on at first. Cause I, I'm, I'm kind of right there with Mike. I'm kind of lukewarm on it. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed most of it. I will say, but the stuff that took me out of it really took me out of it. And it took a little while to get me back into the movie. I mean, I mean, you guys just don't understand how much I fucking hate Radiohead. I can't stand Radiohead. And that might be part of the reason why I don't like the Suspiria remake, because I have to listen to his damn voice all throughout the movie. That's a story for another podcast. But oh, I still. thought that was Coldplay. Uh, no, 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 that's Tom York. That's I have no idea who the hell these guys are. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, you don't well, you don't want to, I'm sure. Yeah, the only the the only good one that did anything musically after was Johnny Greenwood, who actually does actually good scores for movies like There Will Be Blood and shit like that. I don't want to say Radiohead shit. I don't want to make it sound like that. It's not my kind of music at all. I've never heard anything of theirs that I like. So I mean, if you like them, cool. But the point is, is that if you're gonna stick, 
a certain band's music in a movie, you better really damn well make sure that people are at least tolerable of that band. And I know most people are going to be most people going into this movie, especially with 1994, right in the title, they kind of know what they're expecting. So I think, you know, those people will be satisfied and I don't think they'll be annoyed that much. Obviously, um, like I said, I'm not as much of a nineties kid as, you know, a, a lot of people that I work with in podcasting and outside of it. So I just don't have the nostalgic love for this decade that a lot of people do. I appreciate the stuff that was great. I appreciate the place that movies like Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer have in the pantheon of horror. But it you know, doesn't necessarily mean that I have to look at them as some of the greatest horror movies ever made. I, you know, Obviously, I'm a little bit older than most 90s kids. I'm way older than most 90s kids. I should shut up. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, you know, it just this decade didn't do as much for me. Um, uh, creatively, as far as like creative content, movies, music, television, things like that. Like I said, the 90s were my college years. So it's probably that's the decade that I probably consumed entertainment the least, you know, because when you're in college or, you know, you're, you're trying to get girls, you're trying to study, you're trying to, you know, be good at sports, whatever the case may be. You know, movies and, and entertainment may not be the focal point of your life the way it is for me now. So, yeah, I, I just don't look at this decade. I don't look back at this decade as fondly as others. So it's like if you're going to give me a movie with a 90s aesthetic, make it a top notch movie. Make it something with some, you know, really crisp and organic writing, likable characters. And for the most part, they do nail that here. But like I said, I, it can't be overstated enough how much I'm disappointed with being slapped in the face by the 90s aesthetic. It's just like the times that I'm really liking this movie is like the second act when they're just learning about the curse and everything going on with the town because there'll be the whole, you know, 20, 30, 40 minute sequences with no 90s pop songs in it. And I absolutely love that. Um, you know, the pacing, like I said, the pacing is fine. I have no issues with the pacing, no issues with any of the performances. In fact, I like a lot of them. I like our main girl. I like Josh. Like I said, I'm biased because he's an Iron Maiden fan, but still, I like I like them a lot. Um, so there's a lot to enjoy with this movie. I don't know that it's something that I'll return to that often. I definitely don't enjoy it as much as uh, Don and Derek, but... Um, I, I will still watch uh, the next two parts. I'm not going to say that I am, quote unquote, excited to see them. The next one's in the 70s, though, which I guess is more my thing. So let's see. And then, of course, the last one, um, I don't think there's anybody still alive from 1666. But if you are, give me a call. I'd love to chat with you. Hey, um, Venom, Venom, the good thing is, though, at least we don't have to hear any 1666 songs in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah the soundtrack won't be as period yeah. hopefully anyway unless it's all like loot and you know harp songs and things like that holy shit <laughs> yeah but, josh is probably my favorite character i yeah i mean aside from his love of music i, I just liked his attitude about the whole thing he's a, he comes off as a little bit of a douche at first because you know he puts on his headphones and he's kind of dead to the world even though the doorbell's ringing, the phone is ringing, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, he comes off as kind of a self-centered kid at first. But, yeah, as the movie goes along, he's the one that makes me laugh the most in this movie. Far enough. Yeah. Uh, maybe the stoner kid is a close second. But, yeah, Josh, I, I just loved him as a character. But ultimately, I didn't have any major problems with any of the kids in this movie. They all did an okay job. You know, okay to good. So, yeah, uh, you know, I'll pre when young actors do a good job, I do want to praise them. So at least yeah. I didn't hate because because I so easily hate young actors in movies. It's just something. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it comes natural for me apparently. <laughs> yeah, I, I think to this movie's credit too, it manages to be R, but to me, it's not so hard R that I would say it it's not for kids necessarily. If that makes sense, like it. <laughs> It's R because obviously, you know, they're cussing a ton and the kills are pretty decent. But, you know, I I still don't care that my oldest really sees it. I it, it, There's nothing in it to me that's that that bad. Of course, my bias as a parent, because I'm looking back on what I was watching at her age and it 
Oh, hey, way crazier than this. So, <laughs> Mike, if it makes you feel any better, as a babysitter, I showed my little sister demons when she was thirteen. Okay. Nice. Yeah. See, that I saw RoboCop when I was fucking five. I saw Peter Welligan blown the bits. It was fucking. <laughs> you know, but to your point, Mike. You know, when thinking back, some of the kills in the original book series were kind of graphic for a young adult series too. So I was kind of glad that they kept to that fucking graphic city, and you know. Once your daughter gets to that fucking awesome kill at the end, you'd be like, hey, you yeah. want to watch Intruder next? <laughs> well, that's the thing, too, is that um, I, here we go going back to Censor from last week. But the point that our main character from Censor made talking about how certain kills in movies, they eventually get to a certain level of gore that they're just silly. And that kill in the supermarket is it's just so silly. Like, I don't look at that and go, oh, that's gross. Because I just can't picture a human being getting put through that machine. A bread slicer. A bread yeah. slicer. Exactly. <laughs> so it's just one of those things where I see it and I laugh. That That's the first thing I think about. You know, it's not like seeing the girl from Martyrs, you know, get skinned alive. You know, that's fucking painful. That's horror. To see, um, it's kind of like that laser beam kill in that in, in Jigsaw, in the Jigsaw movie. That laser beam collar kill. It's so silly and over the top that you just chuckle. You, you don't really walk away disturbed. And, you know, the, the, the kills in this movie that are more disturbing are some of the flashback ones. Remember the little kid bashing the head in of that person laying in bed? Uh-huh. I forget. Well, that was, I mean, I, I rewound that. I don't know if you guys rewound that scene. That looked epic. Like, that was a full-on shot of that little kid just literally caving in the head of whoever that was lying in the bed. It's only on screen for, like, two seconds, but it's a great shot. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the gore is great. It, it's good that they kept it, it. You know, if Derek says that the kills in the book were fairly adult as well, then, yes, kudos for them keeping it that way because, yeah. you know, these kills – are very adult. Even the ones that aren't over the top, like there's one surprise axe to the head that actually got me. It, it almost plays like a jump scare because, you know, you think, you know, the character is safe and then literally out of nowhere, an axe comes flying into the screen. So that was a very effective kill as well. Yeah. The kills in this movie are very effective. I won't take anything yeah. away from effects or the kills. Um, like I said, man, it, it sucks. It, it makes me sound petty that the only major problem I have with this movie is the 90s aesthetic, because that's something that this movie obviously is going for very strongly. Um, it, it's almost a crutch, you know, if you will, for them. Um, not literally. I don't I don't like I said, I don't want to speak that negatively about the movie. But, you know, if they toned down some of those 90s pop songs, I probably would have come in a lot higher on this yeah. movie. But ultimately, I still had a good time. I think I still had the same good time that every that all four of us had. Um, you know, it was still fun. I don't regret any of the time I spent with the film. Um, but like I said, it's probably not anything that I'll return to all that often. I'll finish out the trilogy and hopefully, you know, with the next chapter, especially the 70s aesthetic of that movie isn't slapping me in the face, you know, because I've already lived through the 70s. I don't yeah, need a nostalgic uh, movie. Yeah, I, I really like that the, they call back to the books, too, with, like I was saying earlier, I, I wanted to get kind of into it in the spoiler section where uh, we have a witch named Sarah Fear. In the books, it's Susan Fear, mm-hmm. who is the main witch of that, and you know, it goes into like the backstory where the goods were the witch hunters. Uh, the, we have two goods in this film: the mayor of the town and the sheriff. We're both related, and uh, you know they know something's up, as we see throughout the film. And it's going to lead into the other two movies, which you're going to find out the backstory. And you know, when we get to 1666, that's where we're going to get the full backstory of what happened with their ancestors and what they did wrong with this fear family and why this ghost is fucking pissed or which ghost, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, the storytelling, I don't have any major problems with. I think the storytelling was fine. Um, spot on really. Ultimately when it comes to the storytelling, um, you know, if I have no problems with the characters, the writing, the pacing, things like that, then you put together a good story. And ultimately, this is a good movie. I'm, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say it's great, though some people will say that. Um, but to me, it, it's a good movie. It was fun. Um, you know, it, it's a, it's def, it's well above average. If I, uh-huh. you know, we don't score our movies here, but if we did, I would 
given a well above average score, even though it doesn't resonate as much with me, I can still recognize the talent in the film. So yeah, it's a good movie. I recommend it to me. It, to me, it's kind of on par with like the screen TV show. I don't know who's all seen it. No, um, it's, it's, it's way better than that. That fucking show sucked. <laughs> I, I like the first season. No, that, first, first no season that, that first season was garbage. Yo, <laughs> Uh, that first season was pretty good, but no, it was <laughs> garbage. I rewatched it too. So. <laughs> Derek says it's garbage. Don't argue. Well, I don't want him to say this is garbage because I'm comparing it to it. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I also I, I felt this could have been trimmed a little, but not it. It wasn't the running time didn't it wasn't like a terribly egregious thing or anything but i i did feel it could have been tremendous it's almost two hours could have been probably like closer to like 90 95 um but what all i'm trying to think like what else really what I mean, would you cut though would you cut out like all that awesome i cut the fin- i cut the finale the finale to that thing what the trailer to the actual movie no the for me the oh, way you mean the montage at the end? No, here's here's oh. what I mean. When I, the, the way I would end it, she gets the phone call. She says it's never over. Bam! In the in the film, there roll credits. Oh, I think you still have to have the stab. I I yeah. think I yeah. still need to see her girlfriend attack her because that's a, that's a major plot point right there. Because they think Maybe. that they've because that they're going to go into the know, second movie. I agree with Don. I agree with Don that it went too long. Like we didn't need to see her tied up with the phone cable and all that. But yeah. I, we still we still need to establish that the girlfriend was possessed. So I agree with Don. Have the phone call. Have her say it's never over. But then have the stab occur. Have our hero look up, see that it's her own girlfriend that stabbed her, and then credits. That yeah, because even that cuts off some time right there. If you cut it after yeah, the stab, I'll agree with that. I, no, I'll, I didn't, I didn't really I'll, have I'll a problem with those though. No, I mean that's the thing. I, I'm not. I'm not necessarily saying that they're bad or that the cuts needed to be made, but ultimately it is an hour and forty five minute kind of borderline family horror film. So, I mean, that, yeah. that that's a little excessive. Like I said, I, I can't think of anything that I personally, would honestly, cut out. Cause, honestly, cause I'm even, I'm, I'm even thinking about some of the non horror scenes, like the scene, the heart to heart that the girls have right before they kill the girlfriend, you know, the plan, yeah. I like that scene. Like those are two girls in high school terrified because they both know that they're lesbians. They both know that they won't be accepted by society. Like we haven't even talked about the social commentary in this movie at all. And there's a lot of it. I mean, there's classism in here, you know, with the, with the you know, sunny veil versus shady side. Um, <laughs> you, you know, and, and then, like I said, with the whole, the two names, the two, the two names, sunny veil and shady side. <laughs> The light in the, in the book. Dark. That's why they use yeah. them. You know, it's yeah, funny. But it's like so it's so on the nose, but you would expect it from like, you know, a young exactly. adult. Exactly. Yeah. It's one of those things you chuckle at, but you wouldn't really fault the movie for because you would expect it. Right. I, I it's expect it's staying funny. true to the books, basically. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm definitely cool with that. But yeah. Um back to the social commentary. I just like that they even included it. Um, this is a day and age when I know a lot of people are getting kind of sick of social commentary, but ultimately it can still be done well. And I think it's done really well here in a really sweet kind of way. I mean, they, they, you know, they kind of project the problems of all a homosexual couples in high school onto, you know, these two girls, but ultimately their interactions together and the little heart to heart that they have right before, uh, they go ahead with their plan of killing uh, the girlfriend. I, I, I really dug that scene. Like I was yeah. shocked that I liked that scene. Like I shouldn't, I shouldn't like that scene. Basically, <laughs> on I paper, mean, I shouldn't they like had it. Good but chemistry, those two actors. Yeah, you know, it showed you could, they could have actually been a couple. You know, that's how believable that exactly. relationship yeah, is for me. I believe that they were together. Yeah, and you know, that's not always the easiest thing to do with someone who's been you know, yeah. watching movies for 50 years. So, yeah. No, then, like I said, the on, movie did a lot of things correctly. It did a lot of yeah. things well. And the things that it did well, it did really well. 
Um, you know, I just have my little issues with it here and there, but ultimately I still give it a high recommend. I still think uh, everyone in the community should check it out, especially if you live through the 90s. But even if you're too young to have remembered the 90s, I still think you'll probably take a lot out of this film. So, yeah, high recommend from me. Yeah. And we need reasons to turn on Netflix these days, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's few and far between, man. I, I I feel like 2020 was a good year for Netflix horror and 2021 has been a little lacking. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's been Army of Darkness and what? It's been Army of the Dead. Fucking the Eighth Night movie, which I fell asleep to. That's There was the Aja movie, which I thought was decent. Is it really kind of a more horror? Thriller, more, more yeah, thriller, was, probably. Yeah. I liked it okay, but it was I would say it was probably more thriller. Yeah. It was yeah, it was modeled after some horror movies, but that yeah, product ended up being maybe, more maybe maybe <laughs> my you know, my A B. Just a little bit, Michael. Zip my, it. Zip my, it. My A B. Maybe. But yeah, my boy Josh is the MVP of this movie, man. He, you know, really? I was I was praising him to get with Kate the whole time, and then oh, yeah. like bad, you know, like the little damn, fat kid bo- who got made fun of in high school was cheering for Josh to get that cute ass girl. <laughs> and when he did, and you're like, oh no, something bad's gonna happen. Yep. But <laughs> it did. The the other thing I would ask with a movie like this that's based off a kind of young adult. But I, I guess young adult, right? Goosebumps was probably le- even younger than young adult, but yeah, sure I yeah. Goosebumps was like the for like the younger kids, like to like up to like, and then Fear Street was up to like middle, like, like, high, like middle school, late middle school, high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I guess it's a fair question to ask. A movie based on Fear Street books uh, is it most important that it's successful with? the young adult age group and it's not even as important what us old guys well a couple of us really older guys but (laughs) you guys guys maybe approaching that but you know is it more important that like someone my daughter's age likes it than me i mean because it's a it's based off a fear street book series and that's honestly that you know arl stein's always like i've been watching a lot of his like, I even watched the uh, recently, actually, I was checking it out for maybe a future, like, Halloween show for, like, one of my podcasts, The Haunted Hour, uh, and I was actually shocked how good it was for, like, a kid's TV movie, because, you know, it even had, like, it's about, it's actually, it's pretty much a Halloween movie, but it takes, it's like a creature feature, too, so there's, like, this giant monster that's eating Oh, Don't Think it. About It? Yeah. And oh, it I love Tobin, Don't Think About It. Yeah, it has Tobin I Bell love- in it, too. Yeah, I love some gravitas to it, you know. So he's done some good shit there, you know, like for all like age groups, and you know, yeah, Yeah, that'd be a good one to throw one for both of you kids, Mike. Like one Halloween, you know, like yeah. No, no, I, I I will totally back up. um, Don't think about it. One hundred percent. That movie is a lot of fun. I I think any time like family friendly or even you know young adult horror or of any genre really. When you put out a, a product that's good enough or just, you know, put together well enough that all ages end up liking it, that's almost a bonus. Because to me, I mean, and that's why I was like kind of uh, curious about like an R-rated movie based on Fear Street books. Because my question going into it was like, well, is the R rating tipping me off that they're actually going to go beyond what they did in the books? Or is the, the R rating kind of contrary to what the books were because I wasn't overly familiar with it. And that's why I was kind of like interested to see what my but, daughter would kind of be interested in as she was kind of noticing it on the couch. And she seemed into the characters and like into the story. So, I mean, the, the, any enjoyment I got out of it at that point almost felt like a bonus to be like, okay, it's something catered to her age group. But then there's also things in it that I can appreciate as well. As yeah. opposed to, you know, a hard R movie that is made for adult groups and then if the kids sneak and watch it that's a whole different story yeah, yeah the thing i like about this is you could have like these horror ones but you could also because fear street's so vast and they tell different stories within the town of this town of shadyville side or whatever the fuck it's called shady you know because we I'm tongue twister in the two names of the towns right now but uh, you could have like these horror ones but then if these are successful, 
They can tell like the you know the milder ghost story mm-hmm. ones too, where it's not too graphic too. For maybe even like some people like maybe kid, people that don't want to watch these hard R's or maybe this is if parents think these are too hard for their kids at the time. Maybe you could get other ones out there too, which other kids could watch too. I can see this expanding in different varieties because Fear Street's not just this. There's totally different stories within the book series too that happen within it. Where yeah, and exactly. Expanding. And it's like, with my daughter, it's not like at the end of the movie I'm going to sit her down and go over my criticisms like, well, Lydia, I'm, I'm glad that you liked it. I don't it, want you to try that with You that didn't realize sister. that they were <laughs> fisting in uh, 90s music in these scenes that, you know, wouldn't accurately, you know, I'm not going to, it doesn't matter to her. She doesn't care about that kind of stuff. So for her age group, I think, like, I think the movie. The only thing you have to really worry about if she wants you to buy her a bread slicer, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I totally misheard that. I totally misheard that as you wanting to fist your daughter. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole different movie. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. That's old. I totally misheard that. (laughs) That's old. There will be no Serbian film (laughs) antics going on in this movie. Yeah. And listeners exit in droves after that. (laughs) Um, But, anyways, I I think, you know, unless anyone else has anything to add, I pretty much said what I got to say about part one of Fear Street. The one thing I want to add, and this is the one thing that I had an issue with, is the way that because this one starts off, it's the first one, but it starts off like at the oldest period of time. It already spoils a lot of what's going to happen in 78, because we already yeah. know that the girl's going to survive. We already know that she's going to have to kill herself, and she's going to you know, be revived in order to stop the killings. We already know that it's you know, going to be the sister of the main character. We already know all this going in, because that's going to have to... It's already set up here in 94 that yeah. this happened, so... I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like that's really like I, I mean, and I get it that you have to do that in order to make the universe live in, feel lived in, and it helps to set up with the mystery. But it already feels like it spoiled a lot of '78. Yeah, that's part of the reason why I did not like that montage at the end. Basically, our after our final scene of our current film, we get a montage of what we're going to see over the next couple of films. And even though it's just random images, you know, here and there, it's not like it's giving away plot points. I just thought it was it felt like a weird way to end the movie. Like, how often does a movie end with a trailer? Uh, <laughs> that that was weird to enough, me. Hilariously enough, you know, it reminded me of. What's that? I'm like, they fucking Back to the Future Part 2 this. <laughs> <laughs> they show Part 3 at the end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. You, you know, yeah, I can see that bothering some people. It's you know, a minor, yeah, it's a it, minor yeah. gripe. It's not a big, yeah. yeah. But I, you know, I, this this coming from the guy who doesn't watch trailers, so of course I'm going to complain about that because yeah. I, I want to see absolutely little of the movie as possible before I sit down to watch the movie. So yeah, you know, it it, it might be just me being a little douchey, but yeah, it still bothered me a little bit. <laughs> I feel you. All right, Mike, what do you say we wrap a bow on this one? All right. Well, uh, with that said, that's going to wrap up our episode on Fear Street. But uh, before we get out of here, let's find out what everyone else has been up to since last recording. So, Venom, I'll start with you. What do you have new out there for everyone to listen to? Not much, man, since I've been on the summer series for uh, the podcast Under the Stairs for the last couple of months. Um, about the only thing that I have, we, uh, we are planning on recording the next episode of the main show and we have the entire cast for the main show here, believe it or not. Uh, yes, once again, you will hear all four of our silky smooth voices on the next episode of No More Room in Hell. And we will be looking at Derek's picks and I'm sure he'll give you a little sneak preview when he talks about his shows coming up. So, uh, that'll be out hopefully about a week or so after you're listening to this one 
And then on It's Not Horror Okay, uh, the NHL playoffs are basically done, at least for the teams that the co-hosts all cared about. So we will be making our return episode this week, actually tomorrow, as we record this. Um, and we'll be doing a commentary for the Christopher Guest classic Best in Show. Uh, so that should be a lot of fun. And unfortunately, that is it from me. All of my other shows are basically on hiatus or just trying to find days and times to get together and record. So, yeah, that's it from me right now. Damn, that was the quickest fucking outro of a Venom in like five years. I know, I don't like it. I, if I don't talk about at least six shows, I feel empty inside. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Don, you got anything? Yeah, I've got quite a few, actually. This is going to be the first time I'm actually going to outclass Venom. Uh, Okay, Mr. Venom there. Yeah. So, uh, it's finally out. Um, We've released our episode on uh, my supposedly main show, uh, Graveyard Shit. We managed to record, um, managed to get out our Phantasm retrospective, which is uh, available now on Dark Discussions. Um, I do want to reiterate that um, there is a section of the discussion that I actually get angrier than Venom did during the Greta retrospective. <laughs> so look out for that one. Um, as you've already noticed, uh, Venom has spoiled one of my guest appearances. Um, I will be joining you guys for a special episode that I'm going to let Derek have the honor of announcing if he chooses to do so, but I will guess with them. And I also have another special surprise um, I'm going to announce here. Um, Hope you don't mind, Derek, but I'm going to be joining him on Cinema Attack to discuss, what else? Two special zombie films directed by Bruno Matai. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um... Yeah, that's um, all I have for now. All right, I'll, be, I'll, I'll move since Michael's on mute. Uh, of course, uh, if you coming soon, you want to hear the ultimate trailer when I stab Venom in the back. Look out for that Summer Series episode on 2011. It's pretty fucking awesome. I pretty much Luca Brazian. You know, give, uh, make him sleep with the fishes. It's pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, but you see, you stabbed me, but Duncan twisted the knife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two Duncans. You know, two Duncans isn't very imitated. Me and Doug fucking took care of him pretty quick. You know, <laughs> we led him into that direction. He could have said no at any time with that final outcome. I'm just saying, <laughs> it's not my fault. Oh, uh, yeah, look out for that. That should be probably August. I think that should be popping out soon. And then uh, also, uh, similar attack as Don said. Uh, we're doing two cannibal movies. That's right. Mondo Cannibal and, and The Land of the Cannibals. And uh, that should be fun. Bruno Matai all weekend. Oh, yeah. And then also on No More in Hell, we're doing Island of the Living Dead and Zombies the Beginning. Also with Dawn. That should be amazing. Can't wait to hear Michael's life-changing events after watching those movies. <laughs> uh... Also, I have a few guest spots I recorded recently. Uh, not out yet with uh, a few podcasts that uh, I've been re- guesting on regularly. Like, it came from a monster movie. I have a few ca- that are coming out. And uh, another one that I'm actually recording tomorrow. So that's exciting stuff. And uh, I'm thinking of anything else. They're here still. Uh, Lacey's been busy with the summer series also. Uh, I, I also. Yeah, we'll talk about that off here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it should be fun, fun stuff. Uh, that's it for me, Michael. Anything from you? You you got anything coming out? You terrible human being, you. Um, nothing that hasn't already been mentioned. A new episode of No More Room in Hell should, if you know, if all things go according to plan, should be recorded within uh, the week. So probably next week we're looking at that being out, and then. And it looks like Gary Hill has rounded up the troops for another episode of Burning for Springwood. So that should probably be actually, you know what? I'm not going to say when that's available because that's coming up to Gary. He he does production on that. But we are recording that uh, tomorrow. So by the time you're listening to this episode, that will have been recorded. 
I would guess probably released next week. Um, but yeah, so if anyone forgot what that is, it's a sh- uh, we go through the Freddy's Nightmares episodes. We're up to episodes 17 and 18 of season one. So if that kind of torture sounds like your thing, by all means, give it a listen to what we have so far. And torture it is. <laughs> yeah. The episodes are good. Just the show. Or, wait, how do I put this? Uh, the podcast is good. It's the it's the Freddy's Nightmare episodes that kind of, you know, ruin your brain. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of horror TV of that era, especially when it comes to the anthology shows, it's really it's almost like you're trying to look for the diamond in the rough by going through the whole series. Because once in a while you run into an episode where either there's like a random actor that you're like, how the hell did they get their start in this series? Like Brad Pitt was in an episode or, you know, they just strike gold on a uh, on an isolated episode where it has a good story. Like, I would say the series premiere, when they kind of did the Freddy prequel, was pretty decent. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it was cheap, but story-wise, it was it was actually pretty good. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. It had a good story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every other episode. You know, and then you have episodes where it's about a woman that wants to fuck a mandrake root. Yeah. <laughs> It's a callback to Monsters anthology series. Yep, but uh, as far as uh, Fresh Cuts goes, I mean, technically, the next two weeks, there's a, a, the other two parts of Fisher, so that is something. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm kind of in the same boat as Venom, where it's like, I'm, well, I kind of feel conflicted, because... Part of me is like, I'm not necessarily super excited to like cover them, but at the same time, it's a trilogy. You almost feel like you have to do it because you started it. So unless, unless like the second part is just so bad that we have no interest in a third one, it's like, do we gotta Uh, try to do a two episodes of Fresh Cuts if there's anything theatrically? Because how do you not just do the trilogy, you know? Thankfully, we're in a little bit of a lull for theatrical releases. There are no horror theatrical releases this week. Next week, we get Escape Room 2, which I guess it's up to the individual if you consider it horror or not, but um, it's pretty light for the next couple of weeks, so for whatever it's worth, it is pretty open for Fear Street. I'm very down to say that we'll do the second episode, because ultimately, it's set in 1978. The the same year that one of the greatest horror films ever made was released. So it, it makes sense that it's something that we would talk about. I, I can't imagine it would be so bad that we don't have, that we have no interest in doing the third one, but eh, I'll keep an open mind. Cause who knows? You gotta I, keep I could, open mind, Venom, you know? Exactly. I'm, I'm going to make, make Mike watch all that. I know what you did last summer movie someday. Nice. Make him watch things four times. Yes. That's <laughs> It's gonna be my next pick. Nice. Ready, Mike? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm always ready. <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead and burn another podcast while you're at it. How <laughs> hey, many podcasts own. can Derek destroy? <laughs> I love it. Oh, I, I got some backstage things for you, Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right. I'm finally able to joke about it. Okay, that's how much I love it. (laughs) Finally able to joke about it. All right. Well, with that, we're going to get out of here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will catch you in a week's time. Let's say bye to the listeners. Stay on that shady side, folks. Talk later. Later. Yeah.